It is Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show. And uh, lots to get to today. More Cowboys uh, coverage coming up at about 525. Chris Hummer joining us now, National College football writer, transfer portal expert for 24-7 sports, also a Texas native. The man's has spent some time around the uh, Metroplex. Chris, uh, I mean, do you go on vacation now that the uh, finally the window, we have these portal windows now. And I know it's not completely shut because there's some things that can happen, but the window has officially closed until May. Can you can you go take a little time and, and recover now? <laughs> I hope so soon. Uh, we still got to push to signing day and got several more transfers out there uh, figuring out where they're going to go still. So not, not quite, but uh, I'm All looking right. forward to hopefully a slower February. All right, what about this uh, Nebraska thing with Matt Rule? Isn't that interesting? You had something just a little bit ago up at Portal News, landing the former Georgia tight end uh, Eric Gilbert, uh, former five-star prospect. Isn't it funny that now we're in 2023 and we still think back about these guys that were five stars back in the day walker howard's now at old miss he was a five star at some point once you're a five star no matter what you do uh where you show up you can spend two or three years there chris you never lose your five star status do you i don't think so and i mean <laughs> i i know uh i know you're saying this in jest but i think there is a little to that like um when you say somebody's a five star um it's a it's kind of the idea of hope that they could be something. Uh-huh. Um, and Eric's case, like, he is arguably the most talented high school tight end ever. Um, I think he was the highest-rated tight end in 24-7 sports history. Um, his problems have been off the field, not on the field, um, in terms of kind of getting himself together. But if people remember, um, he was a true freshman at LSU who was one of the best tight ends in the country for about eight games before he decided to transfer in 2020. Um, so yeah, you, I, you definitely, I mean, some five stars are clearly bust and they're always going to have that five-star label kind of set in mocking fashion, but until a player's career is done, like there's always the hope that they can live up to that five-star potential. Isn't it interesting to see Matt rule almost still behaving like he's coaching in Texas. He's spending a ton of time here. And then Chris, the story came out about him, uh, hiring the the uil a big time uil executive uh and of course that's the uh, uil is what we have in texas i mean it's it's almost like he's still using the baylor playbook but he's doing it for nebraska i think he found religion didn't he when he came to waco and he realized hey <laughs> there's a lot of good football players in this state he probably already always knew it but then he, when you got to see it up close, you realize how huge it is. I find it kind of fascinating to watch what he's trying to build at Nebraska because, in a sense, he's using Texas almost like a neighboring state or almost like a primary state the way, the way he is. In fact, he was in – he was spotted in Waco just yesterday making his way around, maybe seeing some old friends. So it, hasn't that been interesting, uh, Chris, to kind of watch Matt Rule – and, and how he has approached this Nebraska job. Absolutely. Um, I was at the AFCA convention, which is a big coaches convention, uh, last week in Charlotte, and they have, a, uh, they have a Texas high school coaches social every year. 
at the AFCA. Um, hundreds of Texas high school coaches are in the building, and every college staff in the state has at least some representation there. And Matt Rule had, I think, every single Nebraska staffer at that social um, there to talk to Texas high school coaches. So he's clearly made it a priority. And I think Nebraska um, is an excellent job in a lot of ways. Um, they are very passionate fan base. They've had a sellout streak that's the longest in the country. Um, they are very active on an NIL standpoint. They clearly have a brand that resonates with people. The biggest issue with Nebraska, the program, is its geography. Nebraska and the surrounding states near it simply do not produce enough high-caliber prospects to sustain a national champion, at least in 2022 or 2023. And by focusing on Texas, as you said, almost as a bordering, neighboring primary state, Matt Rule is trying to get around that idea. Um, I I don't know if Texas players are going to be willing to take that, like, 15-hour trip to Nebraska. I might be exaggerating. I'm not sure how far it is um, from Texas to Lincoln, but it's a long drive and their families, but if you can convince enough of them to consider Nebraska and have that as a base of your roster, then Nebraska, given all its other resources, can certainly be competitive in 2023. So I think it's a smart strategy. Chris Sommer joining the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas, 24-7 sports. He follows the uh, transfer portal. Spencer Sanders finally uh, comes out on the other side of the portal and lands in old Ole Miss Boy, what an interesting quarterback room that's going to be. The uh, the news of Walker Howard. They already have Jackson Dart. Uh, this this becomes Chris one of the more fascinating quarterback battles in the country. Did this one? Is this kind of how you saw it going? I think Sanders also had um, uh, Auburn in the mix. What along the way? Where did you kind of think he was going to end up? Did this uh, surprise you at all? Uh, not, not, I mean, I guess it kind of surprised me given the timing that Walker Howard, uh, committed earlier this week. It's just, um, an interesting way to see how that lined up. Had Spencer Sanders committed first ahead of Walker Howard, I don't think anybody would have batted an eye because Walker's more of a long-term projection than he is like a competitor in that room with Jackson Dart. Um, but I had recorded, I had reported back in December that Ole Miss was very interested in Spencer along with Auburn. Those have been the two teams all the way for him. Um, so to see him pick Ole Miss was not a huge shock. I think the uh, the appeal of playing for Lane Kiffin and being in that offense was difficult for Spencer to pass up. And talking to people around that program, I think they think they can upgrade over Jackson Dart, or at least they hope this new competition elevates Jackson's game. So this is a uh, this is a play by Ole Miss to elevate the competition in their quarterback room. And Spencer, when he's on, has been a first-team All-Big 12 quarterback in his career and is perfectly capable of uh, being successful at Ole Miss. All right, what did you make of uh, Baylor in the portal? Much more active <coughs> than they have been in the past. In the past, they've been pretty selective, and you might get two or three. I think it was somewhere more in the neighborhood of seven or eight this time around, so got a lot more active as you're seeing around the country, but but they needed a quarterback, and they land one from Mississippi State in Sawyer Robertson. Think back to his time at Lubbock Coronado. I know you kind of tracked these guys over the years. What what do you think Baylor's getting in Sawyer Robertson? And when you kind of study this and talk to people, how much of a, a competition do you think is about to happen? Uh, because Baylor also added another uh, uh, quarterback out of northern Arizona 
today. Uh, and so it, I, I think it'll be a, a, an interesting quarterback battle. What did you make of, of that addition at Baylor? Well, when Kyron Jones left, like, Baylor really didn't have a choice. Like, you can't have one scholarship arm in your room. So they had to go get somebody. And getting Sawyer, I think, is a really smart decision. He is somebody, I think, eventually that can push Blake Shapin. Um, High upside guy. Um, Pretty developed in terms of accuracy. He just didn't have a pass to the field at Mississippi State with Will Rogers ahead of him. Um, so I think it's both a long-term play in the room um, from a depth perspective. Like if Blake Shapin moves on, Sawyer's a guy that could potentially start in 2024 if he doesn't push him for the job now. And then adding R.J. Martinez like they did today is just adding another experienced arm who has played a lot of snaps in case Blake gets hurt or um, struggles at times. So I think this is what you have to do. In 2023, quarterbacks are going to move around. Um, this is the second offseason in a row. Baylor's lost a notable quarterback to the portal. Um, obviously, Gary Bohannon was the starter, and uh, Kyron Jones was not. But Kyron was kind of viewed as the future of the room, and he clearly did not want to wait. So you have to adjust, and I think Baylor's done a nice job of that overall. I really like some of Baylor's other takes. Um, Jake Roberts was a really productive tight end at UNT. Um, he is got NFL potential. Keetron Jackson's my favorite player in the class, the wide receiver coming over from Arkansas. I think he was the most talented wide receiver at Arkansas last year, even if the numbers don't reflect that. Um, he's got significant NFL upside, um, and Baylor needs um, difference makers on the outside. So there have been some really nice pieces, like obviously Clark Barrington is very familiar with what he's stepping into at Baylor in terms of the scheme. So um, Campbell Barrington as well. So some nice pieces and plugging some holes that Baylor clearly had after not having the season it would have liked to have had in 2023 or 2022. We're, we're looking for more Barringtons. If there, if you hear of any uh, other <laughs> Barrington brothers, would like to, to bring that in. I, I was reading your winners and losers in the portal. And interestingly, the um, Texas A&M, which set some kind of record for most departures, somewhere either 24 or 25. I think I feel like I've seen the different numbers, but had a ton of people leave. What was your thought um, on how Texas A&M, did they do some good things in terms of <clears throat> trying to bring a few people in? I mean, obviously they're not going to replace 25 uh, departures in the uh, portal. What Because I noticed I don't think you had them on here as a – winner or loser in the uh, in the portal what was your takeaway from how they've done uh in the in the portal thus far other than just losing a ton of p- uh, players yeah i think um something that gets lost in portal departures um is a little bit of context um not all mass departures are created equal like oklahoma state lost anywhere from seven to nine starters depending on how you want to calculate it Texas A&M, despite losing, I think, 27 players to the portal, lost no starters, um, except for Devin, Denver Harris, um, if you want to argue that. But he was suspended midway through the season. So while it looks really bad and a lot of high-profile Aggies moved on, at least high-profile from a recruiting standpoint, those guys largely were not playing key roles in the team. Um, the best ones Texas A&M lost um, were largely already suspended. I'm thinking of Anthony Lucas. I'm thinking of Denver Harris. I'm thinking of Smoke Boye. I'm thinking of P.J. Williams. All top 100 recruits in the 2022 class, but probably didn't have much of a future 
on Texas A&M's campus anyway. Chris Marshall should be uh, thrown in there. So while it is painful for A&M to lose so many of those young, promising players, um, given maybe some of the cultural adjustments that are going to come in the locker room that can be considered a net positive potentially. Um, plus, they brought in two of the best cornerbacks in the portal and Tony Grimes and Sam McCall from Florida State. Um, so I, I just I think there have been bigger losers in the portal, if that makes sense, than Texas A&M, despite all of the uh, numerical losses it had. Okay, I like that. You didn't just take the, a huge number of departures and go, okay, you guys are losers because of that. That is, uh, that is very interesting. Uh, Chris, thanks for bringing context to the show. That's something I try to stay away from, but uh, I, uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. I did notice one of the winners, and there are a lot of these Power 5 programs, but then uh, a Group of 5 program, uh, SMU, shows up on there. And it's interesting that Rhett Lashley, obviously his familiarity with Sonny Dykes, and, and uh, I, I really find some of these transfers interesting because Rhett came from Miami, <clears throat> And, and, boy, several players from Miami are going to end up on the SMU campus. SMU under Sonny had been extremely active in the portal. They did not wait around. Well, they, they would get hot and heavy in it, and you've got SMU as a winner. And, and boy, they are a team that will sometimes go get some of these guys like, that, that have been great prospects in the past. Did, did, is the reason you like them just because of the – you think these are big-time impact players they brought in? Yeah, well, uh, first I want to say, like, I don't often bring context situations. If you want to have me on for some Cowboys takes sometimes, I severely lack context. But um, <laughs> Okay, I'll keep the, that in mind. Uh, as for the SMU transfers specifically, um, I think a lot of them are instant impact guys. Um, SMU's defense, I believe, finished something like 116th nationally in yards allowed per play last year. I think they have nine starters uh they have nine defenders that they've taken in from the transfer portal and i think every single one of them will either start or be in the two deep so these are guys who are going to make an immediate impact and even outside that defensive group you've got guys like lj johnson coming from over from texas a&m who's going to contribute right away in the backfield you've got guys like Keyshawn smith coming over from miami who was a really good player as a freshman two years ago before he was hurt this year so there's a lot of instant impact players for this SMU roster. Um, I know I talked a second ago about how volume doesn't really matter as much as quality. Um, I think SMU this offseason has managed with their scouting and with their acquisitions to combine the two, and it's really going to help them in a reworked American Athletic Conference that's going to be diluted considerably after teams like Houston and UCF left the league. Well, I like that. Uh, this is, these are interesting uh, info. People, you can follow uh, Chris on Twitter, of course, but also uh, 247sports.com, this winners and losers column. I uh, always love stuff like that, and, and I can kind of zero in, and, and, and you have comments on everybody. I, and I like, boy, this is, uh, I guess you did write for, what is this, 5,000 words or something? I noticed y'all listed this as a long-form piece, so I think you did empty the notebook in this thing, which I like. You can follow Chris at, at Chris underscore Hummer, H-U-M-M-E-R, and uh, has some great information on the portal. All right, Chris, we'll finish strong. I mean, I don't even think about the signing day. Isn't that funny? 
the way it goes now with the early signing day, it's like, wait, there's something that happens in February too. But I guess there'll be a few stragglers that come in and uh, and and sign for what used to be the big time signing day. Chris, by the way, do you think uh, do you think that'll change pretty soon? I mean, it seems like everybody, all these coaches, hate the early signing period being like on the 22nd or whatever it ends up. Uh, do you think that'll change here pretty soon? Um, I, I know a lot of coaches hope so. Um, I think it is definitely in the pipeline of potentially changing that. I think if it does change, we'll get rid of the early signing period and then have a, uh, like a summer signing period for high school players who want to sign that early. But, um, yeah, I think with the way the calendar sets up, it's a very difficult thing for everybody involved in college athletics, um, just because of how the timing works out. Yeah. Yeah, Baylor was doing it, all his bowl stuff on the day it happened, uh, and that made for interesting interesting coverage and interesting for the coaches and everybody involved. Hey, Chris, appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, man. Chris Hummer, 24-7 sports. You may know it as 247, but uh, good stuff out there, and Chris does a nice job on the national front. And I don't know, Aaron, I feel like, some of these places, like 24-7, have special access to the portal. They seem to see it before almost anybody else does. I would imagine the the coaches at these different places, everybody's kind of has access to the portal. You're constantly checking it. But, boy, I, I think 24-7 basically gets it in real time at the same time a lot of these coaches hear about it. And so it's always kind of fun to see. Aaron, I like that. Um, as we send out the uh, the Twitter or the tweet about this uh, about our interview, <clears throat> I like what he said about um, Keytron Jackson. I think he said, "What did he say?" That was his favorite player in Baylor's class. And uh, oh, I, that's what I like that he said. He said he thinks that was the the best wide receiver on the Arkansas roster. So that makes me feel good. I like that. I like uh, I like it when Chris says nice things about my alma mater.